got confused for some reason when we said that. But uh, you got this vision from the Lord, right? And so this is Jason and Deanne. Don't y'all appreciate them? And um, so with just briefly, you the Lord spoke to you about doing something in Roanoke, right? Yes. You want to say more about that? Sure. Um, so me and Jason both met at the rescue mission. And um, throughout my life, I've lived on the streets, and I'm pretty sure he's been there a couple times. And um, I just heard from the Lord that throughout our lives, people have gave to us and sowed into us, and that um, it was time to be able to give back. And in Eagle's Nest, he was there, and that's when I first heard it. Um, but I just felt like it wasn't the season. And then a few weeks back is when I heard from the Lord that um, now was the time, and so this is how the project came about. And so we saw that. Go ahead. Yeah, I just appreciate people who hear the Lord. Now I want you to hear this because this is a good place of discipleship. Deanne heard something from the Lord. And then she heard the word wait. And then she had to be patient. Exercise that, the, uh, the gift of the Spirit and, and allow patience to be there. And then it was really back in November, the beginning of parts of November, the Lord said now. Now's the time, and then he said, I want you to reach out into the streets of Roanoke. And so many of you saw that on Facebook, and as some of us leaders saw that, the Lord spoke to us and said, no, no, this isn't just supposed to be a Jason and Deanne, but we're supposed to get behind this. And we're supposed to come alongside, and we're supposed to, we're supposed to go and do this with them. So you might say, how can you do this? Um, you, you can, we can all pray, right? I, I think the words were that we could, um, I, I had them bring this cheat sheet back up here. We could seek the Lord, we could help supply the need, or we could go and, and, and give, give those supplies out. So there's tags on the tree, uh, the giving tree, that are part of this outreach. You can sign up online. There, there are, there's a big box, you can bring it in. Maybe you had already gotten behind this effort before it became a church-wide effort. That's fine, don't go looking for the tags, just bring the wares <laughs> into the box. Uh, next Saturday, our hope is to be able to take a group down and pray and walk in the area, not really get into a lot of interaction with people. And then the next Saturday, Jason and Deanne are going to lead a group down to distribute. Socks, gloves, hats, earmuffs, scarves. We also put on their individual snacks and uh, chapstick and uh, hot chocolate. Um, so many people have said, well, you know, they, we, they wanted to do some other things. Um, and really, we just prayerfully came back to a place of the Lord said simple. And he said to meet the need and to do it in love. And, and um, you know, the prayer is, is that as we give, there's a lot of phenomenal churches in Roanoke. Some people come, come here after being in Roanoke. And so uh, the, the extension that the Lord spoke unto us to do was to meet, meet those needs, those physical needs that those people have. So I'm, I'm excited. Are you all excited? Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks, thanks, you guys. I'm just excited for men and women, too, that hear the Lord and say, you know, we're going to act on that. Now, we, we have a video that was made specifically for Christmas. It was made several years ago. I don't know if we got to see it last year. But I asked if we couldn't show that again today after I pray. And then we're going to pass the baskets. There's also an opportunity to sow into the needs of, of people at, at Christmas. Father, we thank you that we have an opportunity to give. We have an opportunity to, to seek you, to help, to uh, supply the need. We have the opportunity to share in the provision. And so, Lord, I ask that you'd reveal yourself to us today. 
help us to see the, the parts that we are to play. And Lord, we thank you that Jason and Deanna are, are not just great people. They're role models of listening, waiting, and acting when you say to, to, to step and go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mitch. I love that video. Just the simple gifts that especially a child can come up with sometimes. This is such a blessing. 
Well, it is good to be up here today. I uh, think, yeah, ooh. <laughs> this is uh, the first full sermon I've given here in probably every, well, every year because of my back. And this summer I helped, there was five or six of us do, so I just thank God uh, for the opportunity. This has been probably a lot of little warfare going on this week, uh, especially like the last of the week, you know, my I had a lot of technology problems and so there is no PowerPoint except this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there is no handouts today. <laughs> that's okay. Good. And <clears throat> another thing that's kind of got us the last few days, uh, uh, I finally figured out what skunks were for. <laughs> so we know what hell smells like. <laughs> We have had actually a skunk spray inside our house the last several nights. And uh, not only that, we found that it's living between the floors. <laughs> so if anybody would like a job, <laughs> there you go. Yes, I don't know if that thing's demon possessed or not, but it's going to get cast out. <laughs> you know, uh, Today we're talking about grace, and we're talking about the, the preparation for the journey of amazing grace. And, uh, you know, we're all touched. I, I pray you're touched when you read the story of how this young virgin Mary uh, was visited by an angel to say, hey, you're going to have a baby, but it's not with a man. It's going to be God, and uh, you, you've been chosen. And she said, who am I that you've... You looked at me with my humble, you know, this humble person here, you know, in humility, you know, why'd you pick me? Why'd you pick me? It wasn't like, oh boy. And then we look at the, the humility of uh, Joseph, who could have divorced her. You know, they were, in, the, in their custom, they were married. They were, she was promised to him. And, you know, he, he wasn't sure what was going on. If you read this, Story, he was, he was like, uh, she's pregnant. <laughs> it's not mine. He was going to put her away. He had the integrity to put her away quietly. So not to bring her out in the open. Now, I, I've, I've been, we watched the, the movie Nativity this week. I really enjoy that movie. I know there's some things that aren't quite biblically correct, but they did a good job. And, you know, you could imagine what grace God had to give to Mary and Joseph to get through that. You know how people talk. <laughs> they still talk today, you know. Uh, that she would have been looked down upon. You know, in the movie it showed where Joseph had this dream of her getting stoned. You know, and he just, you know, he couldn't do that. But that's what she, they could have done to her. She has been scorned for many, many years. matter of fact, in, in Israel now, in a lot of Jewish people's homes, there's a story that's read every Christmas time that talks about this young, uh, young girl who was uh, raped by a Roman soldier and had a baby, and his name was Jesus. And that's where that came from. It wasn't from God. 2,000 years later, still happens. Well, we're going to talk about grace this morning. We're going to talk about how grace can get us through 
whatever God has called us to. Do you know God's called you to something? Do you know you're a witness? I don't know, I see about four or five people. Do you really know that you're a witness? By saying, I am a Christian, you are a witness. How you live your life, what you do, what you say, it witnesses to those around us. For good or for bad, you are a witness. And, and sometimes in this life, it gets so overwhelming, it looks like, how can I really, how can I be a Christian in this world with all the things I have to deal with, the people I have to deal with, the, you know, the temptations that are out there for us? How can I do it? Well, there's only one way, and that's the grace of God. Grace, um, as Rick was sharing last week, but gr- grace is, is a, it's for us as believers, now, we can offer each other grace, you know. You say, Mitch, I'm, that's all right if he talked about me or something like that. I say, you're forgiven. I'm going to let go. You know, that's my choice, right? That's given grace. But God's grace does this. It's a divine influence. It's God's influence in our lives, in our hearts. And then so that our life can reflect it. We reflect his glory when his grace affects my heart. When his grace enables me to do things that I never thought I'd be able to do. You know, you know my, <clears throat> my ministry started well, about 35 years ago, next year. And, uh, you know, if God had told me when he called me to be a pastor that I would be over in the middle of New Delhi, India, and preaching to 2,500 people and, you know, students who most of them were Muslim. Or I'd be, in the, I'd be in the slums of New Delhi ministering to people. Or I would have to handle all the conflicts that happen in churches. <laughs> you know, I said, you called the wrong person. You know, those things sound like, well, that's exciting going to India, but that's not easy, <laughs> you know. Those things aren't easy. And I knew what God would call you to. And yeah, it was really hard for me to really even think about that calling 35 years ago. But it's only by God's grace that I could do any of those things or anything now. Yeah, um, me staying up here is grace. I mean, y'all, I've told you before, you know, you, you know that last fall, you know, I was in basically in bed for about five months, had four surgeries. And the fourth one, uh, it was about a week and a half ago, a year later, that fourth one, I just really, at one point, I didn't think I was going to make it because I had MRSA and they couldn't, clean, they couldn't clear it up. I just only thought for about one day. You know, and, I, and somebody, Marty says, I don't understand you can get depressed during that time. I said, well, I don't understand either except for the grace of God. Because he kept speaking to me. Dad, I, I had nothing left in me. My body was wasted. You know, I, could, I had no strength. I could barely get off the couch. I was hurting, but I was hurting for my family more than me because they had to help me out. And then today, you know, I'm, I'm able to do this again. I'm not only able to do this, but I'm able to do this. That's nothing but the grace of God. 
You know, I've lived with these ba- my back for a long time. Matter of fact, I can do that four sets of ten with that. <laughs> and that's God. That's God's grace. And how did I get, well, you know, the pain did not leave until probably September, the severe pain. This September. And uh, in, my, in August, Marty and I were praying. I knew that every time I tried to exercise, I tried lots of times, I'd hurt myself again. I hurt my back again. And just put myself right back. And, and you know, uh, so we pray for, Lord, we, we need a personal trainer. And, Lord, you know we can't afford it. I got a personal trainer right now. And he's, he's helping us free. We asked for that, that Pebbles watch. That <laughs> there you go, that she asked for. <laughs> you know, when she talked about it this summer, how she just asked for it, and she trusted God. That's the only thing more you and I could do, is trust and, and, and ask for God for that, and he provided that. That's grace. That's grace, but it, it doesn't end there, because I still had to exercise. to get <laughs> you know, It's grace every day to go, and to bear through it. Well, what, is, what are some of the things that help us on this journey? To get ready for a journey. Yeah, anybody like to travel in here? Oh, yeah, I like to. What are some of the things you have to do to get ready for a journey? Pack. Pack. That's one thing. What else? Do what? Passport. Get your money together. <laughs> That's right. Make a plan. Make sure April books the five-star hotel. I will talk to you after the service. Anything else? Anybody get directions? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're getting lazy nowadays. We use those GPS. I'll tell you what. My GPS has been demon-possessed sometimes because where it makes me end up. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Did you give me these directions? <laughs> You know, uh, first time I went to Big Stone Gap, I mean, I was totally at the other end of the, <laughs> of the town. It's not that big of a town, but still, I had no idea where the church was. But you get those things ready. You get ready for it in a sense. Now, what could Mary do to get ready for it? What could Joseph do to get ready for it? Well, it says they, had, they were seen righteous by God. But one of the biggest things is humility. You know, we get our directions. We have our directions in the Word of God. And the teachings they had, they had, you know, gave much chance to, to follow that, to let their heart um, come in line with God's Word. So here we are. We do that. But we can read, you can read the Word of God all day long. You want to. I mean, you know, it won't make you any more spiritual. <laughs> I'm sorry if you don't humble yourself. If you don't humble yourself. Because if I can't follow the directions, I'm never going to get there. If I can't submit to that and submit to God's will in my life, I'll never get there. Um, God has blessed us in so many ways with the Word of God. You know, we'll talk a little bit later about some of that, but, you know, the humility to, to really submit yourself to that and not be in rebellion. Anybody deal with rebellion besides me? 
Yeah. But to submit ourselves to what God is calling us to. Mary is humble. And she was willing to accept being scandalized. Yeah. And then you look to her son. Jesus was scandalized all the time. He'd sit down with drunkards, tax collectors, all the people that nobody wanted to be around. He'd sit down and eat with them, and then he got called. You must be a drunkard. You must be a sinner. Yeah, Christian's easy, isn't it? <laughs> it's a lot easier because of the grace of God. Because of the joy that puts in our hearts, we can sit there and say, I know God's got something at the end. I know he has something at the end for me. I know he's going to find a way to provide this for me. I don't know how. Now, I haven't looked at it like that a lot of times. I sit there and see an obstacle before me. I say, you know, when I first started exercising, I looked over at somebody else exercising. I said, you know, I'll never be able to do that. He said, you won't if you have that attitude. I'm doing things now I never thought I'd do again. But if you're not willing to submit to that, to God's leading to get there, you're not going to get there. If you're not following the directions, you're not going to get there. And, you know, it goes on more than just following the Word of God, which is so important. It's, uh, it depends on fellowshipping with other people. And working with the Word of God together. Do you think Rick just gets up here and preaches and we just say yes to everything? He comes to the elders. He comes to other groups and he, he puts it out there and we talk about it. He's willing to submit to that to make sure he's right before he does it. We need each other. And I'm just going to challenge all the Lone Ranger Christians in here if you are one. <laughs> You might as well tear, tear parts of the Bible out where it talks about the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just go ahead and go rip it out. Because you're, not, you're saying you don't believe it. You're, you're saying part, this, the hand doesn't need the foot. We, you know, we, we need each other. And we need each other. And are you going to get hurt? <laughs> yeah. Because... We're all working that out. Somebody's going to say something you don't like. But humility comes into that too. James 4, 6 says this, But he gives greater grace, therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Luke 14, 11, these are the words of Jesus. For everyone who exhausts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles, humbles himself will be exalted. I find, uh, you know, I don't think Mary and Joseph were trying to win any contest about who was the, who was the most spiritual. Because I think that's one reason God chose them. They were humble enough. They, had, they, they got their view about themselves from God. Now, I don't know if any of us is, are worried about our self-image. You know, I used to, one way I like to minister, I always like to go to bookstores and get near the, the uh, psychology section where it's 
the self-image books were and see people working through them because I knew they needed some help. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way. That's a good place. Try to strike up a conversation with them. I know some of you have been beat down in your homes by friends, by family members, by people at work, people at school. I don't know how many people I've ministered to were bullied in school. But if you, if you lean on other people for your self-image, you're going to be miserable. It's not self-image we're looking for. It's God's image. It's not self-image that we're trying to perfect. It's becoming more, more, more Christ-like in our life. To submit to that, to walk with that, and that takes humility. The attitude, an attitude of gratitude. An attitude that says, I know God has best for me. I cannot, you know, can you imagine when we're sitting there trying to figure things out in our minute, our little circle that we're trying to figure out, and God's looking at this big picture saying, you don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know how this person over here or this person over here or this event, whatever, is going to fit into this whole plan and get you to to where you need to be. Philippians 2, uh, 1 through 11 says this, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship in the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintain the same love, unite in spirit and intent on one purpose. That's what... That's what God's desire is to be us, for us to be at one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied of itself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Now you talk about humbling yourself. You come from heaven to earth. Yeah. And you suffer like that. And he taught us the way. He knows what it means to suffer. He knows what it means to have to deal with, with obstacles that, for him, it meant his life. He knows. He knows whatever you're going through right now, if it's whatever problem you're going through, he knows about it. And if you try to work yourself out of it, it's going to be hard. It will be impossible. A lot of times, you can't get it, you find your way out. 
But when you lean upon the grace of God, you lean upon his direction. We get direction from his word, but he also speaks to us as we, as we walk with him, doesn't he? He does. And sometimes it's not necessarily a comfortable thing to do. I was, a few months ago, you know, I was really praying that God would help me, you know, I went into this one store, and I said, Lord, give me somebody that I can share with. And I was going to buy balloons. I think it was for Amy's birthday or something like that. I was going to buy balloons. Anyway, I get, I'm in the Dollar General store, Dollar store, whatever it is, Dollar Tree? I don't know. It only costs a dollar for the balloons. <laughs> so I'm going to, in, in the, there's an aisle over here with all the balloons behind it. You know, up on the wall. I said, well, I guess that's got where i got to go. And the Lord said, no, go in this line over here. I said, Lord, you mean they're going to get me a balloon for me? He said, just go over this line over here. And I felt foolish. I mean, I felt foolish. I go over in this other line, and I see this lady with this little three-year-old boy in front of me. And uh, she's got all these birthday party stuff in the cart. And I said, well, it looks like somebody's going to have a good birthday. She said, yeah, it's really special because my son's three years old right now. I've had a, another child who was three, and they had this disease. I can't remember what it was, and they usually die around three years old. And so she said, we're going to celebrate this birthday. So I was able to pray with Believe me, it made no sense me getting in the line. Matter of fact, after I got up there, I said, I need some balloons. She said, go in the line. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> okay. But God will speak to us if we listen. You know, when we read the New Testament and we read what some people had to do, like the shepherds, the wise men, they did some things that just didn't make sense, really. But there was something that, that triggered inside them that realized that God's moving here, and i got to go to it. You know, the shepherds could have stayed out in that field and looked at the sheep and said, I can't, get I can't do this. This doesn't make a bit of sense. I'm going to stay out here and watch my sheep. That's how I'd make a living. You know, wise men could say, man, that's a long journey. Some commentators have said, I've read, says almost a thousand miles. I don't know. That could have been. That's a long journey to make. So why bother? I love that movie, The Nativity. This one guy's complaining. He said, man, I need my food, my nuts, my spices, you know. And, and he, they said, come on, go anyway. You know, bring them with you. Things just don't always make sense for us. And that's probably a good thing. I think it is a good thing. I mean, I like to be in control, don't you? Some of us like to be in control more than others. We like to know what things are going to happen. The thing about it, if I sit and, and, and it's all about me, it's all about my decisions then I have put myself as God in my life. I have. You know, the, the Christian walk, 
the relationship with God is to be a journey. It's to be walking together. Jesus said in John, he, the way he invited his disciples, said, come and see. They were interested. He said, come and see. Come and walk with me. Come and walk with me. God reveals those things to us when we're in this walk that we can never experience in any other way. Now, he doesn't leave us hostage to our bad decisions. Aren't you glad? Ever had anybody talk to you about karma? Well, I'm going to quote a great theologian named Bono. You two guy? Who says, grace, grace beats karma any day. Amen. Karma says you're going to get what you deserve. Lord, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Please, dear Lord. <laughs> you know, Grace says, no, in spite of what you've done, you're going to move from here to here. That's just part of the journey. That's just part of the journey. You know, and sometimes it's, it's hard. Sometimes God says things to us that don't feel too good. You know, uh, I think I've said this know, several years ago, but when Joshua was born, we were so glad to have our first child, you know? And, uh, well, I can't go into detail because I'd be here all day of the things this child would do. I know at seven months old, he was in his walker, and he grabbed the handle of my bowling bag that had a 16-pound bowl. Well, he's seven months old. Pulled it about five. They're laughing because they've seen him <laughs> when he was young. Yeah, pulled it about five feet and got so mad because he couldn't pull it anymore and threw up his hands and went flying backwards into the kitchen cabinets. I looked at Marty and said, oh, Lord, what do we have? <laughs> Marty's brother thought we'd never have another child. Thank God we had Daniel and Amy. Daniel's so calm, and Amy goes around hugging everybody. <laughs> so we didn't think it was all us. You know? <laughs> but it was, it was tough. I mean, it was really tough. And uh, he's so active. I mean, I watched the two- and three-year-olds here the other day. You know, back in, it was a great opportunity. Everybody gets a chance. You should have a chance to help back there. These children can teach you so much. <laughs> I was back there and watching two and three-year-olds, and I, as I was watching them, the Lord reminded me that uh, my son was more active than all nine of them put together, <laughs> and that's not a lie. <laughs> you know, and you talk about judgments, let me tell you about it. You're in church, and your child's rowdy. Any, any other parent worry about this? He's sitting there, you know, what are they thinking about my child? <sighs> I see some of your mothers going, mm-hmm. You know, it's not just about behavior sometimes. It's like, well, are they walking the same time as somebody else? Are they, are they potty trained like somebody? You know, you just get this pressure, that peer pressure. You feel it all the time. Well, we really got a lot of peer pressure because when the pastor's son stabs a little girl with scissors in the Sunday school class, you kind of get some looks. <laughs> Thank God for Fiskers. <laughs> They're dull on the Marty's mom who's just a wonderful lady. Her name was Madonna. And uh, she was, if you watch my wife, she's great at taking care of children. I mean, she'll grab a baby if somebody's holding it. Let me hold the baby while you worship. <laughs> Free the mothers up. She just loves children. She got it from her mom. Her mom was just excellent. They always, she always taught Margie, you know, uh, 
Don't think these little ones can learn. Boy, you can teach them so much. Right around two years old, you think they're not really listening, but they learn so much. Take it seriously. And she was, and she, now she had four children, and if you ever meet my, my brother-in-laws, you know, she had a time with a couple of them. <laughs> not with Margie. I think Margie got spanked one time her whole life. <laughs> it's like, and she married me. <laughs> okay. I, I guess we know where Joshua's stuff came from. But, but she came up and, you know, she had really judged a lot of parents. You really judge a lot of parents. You know, you just don't know how to take care of your child. You don't know how to discipline. You know. And she got a, and she was at toward the end stages of cancer at the time. But uh, she would come up and she would see Joshua, and she knew how she trained her daughter, and she looked at this little boy, and she says, "I'm gonna go back and repent to a lot of people." Because I know what you're doing. I know what he's doing. And it's, <laughs> they don't match. That was the grace of God. That correction was God's grace. See, it's, it's not just when things go well or things, some big thing necessarily happens. That, like, you know, that thing that happened to me in that store. That's a great thing. I love, you know, being able to minister to that lady and listen to her. It's not always that way. God's grace sometimes corrects you. It corrected Joseph. Zachariah had a little correction, didn't he? He doubted God, what the angel was saying to him. He got silenced until John was born. And that correction, you know, when you have a child, one of the hardest things is, you know, is, uh, is letting them go through things you know it's going to be hard for them, but you know they have to go through. Right? Yeah, yeah, my my, my daughter-in-law, Martha, she's from Egypt, and she was a pretty good kid growing up. And uh, and when she had my my grandson Abram, well, Abram's just like Joshua. <laughs> oh, and she just at first she said, "You prayed that I have a child just like Josh, didn't you?" I said, "No, I would not do that. <laughs> Wouldn't do that to anybody." But, but, you know, the thing is, the grace that God gave Marty and I, when Josh was little, now we can carry, carry on to them, saying, be careful, <laughs> you know. We spanked Joshua way too much because we didn't know what else to do. We were just so frustrated. But we're, we're helping her learn how to speak to him, explain things to him. When you get mad, walk away for a second, then come back <laughs> and talk to the child, you know. And... Josh was very bright. I mean, those who don't know him, he ended up being a missionary for three and a half years in Egypt. He married, that's how I got, I got an Egyptian daughter-in-law. It's not how the child's acting in his home. It's how you raise them, by the way. You know, they're going to push the parents as hard as they can. It's how they act away from you. That's important. But Martha was sitting there, and she's learning, and it's really hard. But Josh was real bright. Right, boy, he was trying to figure things out ever since he was a little tiny boy. And, and yesterday or the day before, it was yesterday, Marty had put on a video for 
Abram. He's two years, four months. And it was a video of, of how they use Legos uh, to make these, like, uh, engineering things and make these balls go certain ways. I mean, it was a, he sat there and watched that for seven minutes. I don't know about you, but most, seven, most two-year-olds are not going to sit there and watch a video. For, and he was not only doing that, but he's, Ingrid always said my son was most, one of the most natural engineers she ever met. But, but Abram sat there, and he moved his hand the way the belts were going up and how it was moving. Two, and, two years, four months. Now, that's my grandson. Some of you have children that do so many. That they'll, they're, they're so loving, they'll go up to somebody. I mean, when Amy was two years old, she laid hands on Terry Haltham when his knee was hurt, and he got healed. He had that sensit- she had that sensitivity. Children are different. Daniel used to come up to me in services and said, Dad, things are messed up here. You better look what's going on. They're different giftings. All our children have some of these giftings in them. We need grace to raise our children, I tell you that. I'm just thinking of Mary. <laughs> like to be re- responsible for raising the <laughs> Son of God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I was always wondering if Jesus broke something. Well, he just. Put it back together so we get. Nah, I know he wouldn't. <laughs> but you know, I mean, think about it. You're raising the Son of God. What a responsibility. What grace she, her and Joseph needed for that. I bring up children because it is. You know, I'm going to give this example. Uh, we're going. When grace doesn't make things easy, it doesn't mean God's against you. I've had so many people, what, where, where's God in this? You know, why am I going through such a hard time? I, you know, there's times in my past I've asked that when I've gone through really hard times. God gave me the grace last fall not to ask that. Not to ask why, I just say, Lord, help me get through it. Teach me what you want to teach me. I'm going to trust in you for my healing because nothing else seems, nothing else is working here, you know. But those things aren't easy, and they make us stronger. There's a story of a, of a guy, he saw a, a cocoon of a moth, or a butterfly rather, and he saw it outside his windowsill, and he said, you know, it was so beautiful. He just kept watching. He wanted to see the, the butterfly come out of it. And after a while, he went over to his moth, and, you know, he brought it inside to keep it a little bit warmer. <laughs> he was trying to take care of this. And he, and he saw the thing start wiggling. You know how, like, a cocoon will start wiggling? The moth is trying, I mean, the butterfly is trying to get out. And he says, man, he was feeling, guy had a heart for this butterfly. And he said, it's going too hard. So he took some scissors, and he snipped off the bottom of it. Well, the butterfly fell out with its wings not fully developed. Stuck to one wing, stuck to its body. What it had to do, it had to struggle out of the cocoon, so both wings worked. That is the grace of God for us. When we go through these these times and we say, "God, where are you?" He is right there. 
He said, don't look to your own understanding. Listen to me. Walk with me through this. I'll get you through it. I used to sing the song in the church of brethren I grew up in. It said, the Lord knows the way through a wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Strength for the day is your own way. And all I need for tomorrow. The Lord knows the way through the wilderness, and all I have to do is follow. I've stuck pretty much with humility throughout this thing, because I think that's the preparation that Joseph and Mary had to have. It, it's got to come there. To be prepared for what God has in your life is submitting, because you know he loves you. Are you convinced of that? Are you convinced of that this morning? That he loves you. He loves you so much. And that doesn't mean you're not going to go through hard times. But he's going to get you through them. He's going to get you through them. Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All we have to do is follow. Well, where are you on your journey today? Uh, at least I think I'm just going to close it right now. It's okay. Raise it. You got one thing? Okay, go ahead. Well, I'll let you close it then. Let me mention three things. Though. This morning, if you were talking to talk about your journey this morning, and first of all, if you hadn't started the journey, today's the day <laughs> to come forward and accept him as your Lord and Savior. It is a great journey. Sometimes we don't make it look great, but it is a great journey. <laughs> you know, it is a great journey. The love, the things that God teaches us. If you stopped on the journey or you realized you just took the road that you thought was good instead of the road that God was trying to lead you down, today's the day to get back on track. His grace is there. It's humbling ourselves to receive it. If you're using your direction instead of God's, here's the opportunity today. Let's get back on listening to him. You know, I, I do find that one thing for my life, when I know whether I'm, I'm, I'm humbling myself enough to listen to God, is whether I could forgive somebody. Whether I can really forgive somebody. Because now, you look at the G forgiveness Jesus had. He humbled himself even to death on a cross. And he looked down from the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Today, if you're struggling with forgiveness, if you've gotten off that path and you sit there and say, I don't know how, and I don't, it's not easy sometimes. People do things to us that is horrible sometimes. Well, there's people here willing to walk with you through that so that you get through the other side and so you can forgive. That forgiveness releases things in your life that you will find just a new life. Yeah. Humble yourself to forgive. Humble yourself to express grace to someone else, like the grace that's been given you. Amen.